There's this, uh, there's this verse that I wanted to read. Um, it's part of what we're going through today, um, what we're working through in Scripture. And it says this, um, talking about Jesus, he has given each one of us grace through the generosity. So God the Father has given each one of us grace through the generosity of Christ. That is why the Scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. I wanted to just start out with that. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> we could just let that sit. <laughs> and the, the love that's there that we see from God the Father sending his son coming down to our lowly world and then giving gifts, giving of himself and ascending so that now he fills the entire universe. Yeah, I just, uh, I could almost go, go on that note. <laughs> um, I wanted to start off by way of introduction. Uh, if you'll let me, if you'll indulge me for a moment, I want to tell you a little bit about my time in uh, music school. I love talking about this. This is one of the, one of the highlights um, of my life. Uh, and uh, when I talk about it, um, I think about my path as a musician. That's a big part of who I am. Like pretty much most of my teens and 20s, I thought I was going to be a rock star. So I'm still working that one out, still figuring out how I can fit that in somehow. No, <laughs> I gave that one up, gave that one to God. But uh, I remember before deciding to go to school for music, thinking I was a pretty good guitarist, thinking, you know, I've had lessons, I was playing in bands and that sort of thing. And, but then I decided, you know, some of my teachers had gone to this school in Hamilton, Mohawk, and uh, it's a jazz school. And so I thought, you know what, let's give it a go. You know, I don't know if I need it, but let's just give it a go. And uh, I compare myself from the beginning to the end. It was a transformation, that's for sure. I was a whole different guitarist by the time I was done. It was a three-year uh, diploma that I was in. And if I think through like, some of the things that really made the difference, um, the teachers were absolutely key. Like, the teachers there, they knew what they were talking about. They lived it. You know, they were part of kind of the golden age of jazz. And so they had played so many, so many shows with the greats, and so they were bringing their passion. And especially what they taught us was how to practice. That was so key. I had been, thought I'd been practicing pretty well, but then when you hear from them and my guitar teachers and that, what they would teach you is how to really practice. When you're sitting down with your instrument, how to really get the most out of your time. You know, really focus on using a metronome. Don't just let your rhythm be sloppy, but get, get a metronome going so you make sure your, your timing is good. Be musical in how you play. Don't just pl like play through scales, but make music with it, those kinds of things. One of the big ones was, uh, was I remember, was repertoire. That was a bit of a pet peeve with our teachers. Because, you know, a lot of people went into school, they just wanted to be a musician. They didn't really care much about jazz. So they weren't really learning the great songs. And this was something that some of the teachers, it, it really got, got under their skin a little bit. And because some of, some of the guys I remember weren't too respectful about it. I remember like, you know, the end of your time, you had to do uh, like a concert, a, a whole like um, recital. 
And some of them, I think it was kind of like to stick it to the teachers. I remember one guy played like an ACDC song at the end of his thing <laughs> rather than playing like a job. I'm pretty sure some of the teachers walked out at that point. But uh, so repertoire, they're like, you got to learn these songs, guys. I remember one particular um, the time together we had ensemble. And one of our teachers, I think he was maybe a bit tired that day, a little bit more ornery. He was asking guys, okay, can you play this song for me? He's kind of putting us on the spot to play a song a jazz standard, and uh, some of the guys were struggling. They, they didn't know songs. So he finally got frustrated. He's like, okay, just play me happy birthday. Just play me happy birthday. And we were so flustered by that point, so nervous. None of us could figure out the first chord for happy birthday. And he's like, what's going on, guys? What's your grandma going to say when you come out of school and you don't even know happy birthday? Like, <laughs> and I just remember that really well that time. Think, okay, I better learn my songs here. I don't want to be put in that position again. And uh, so all, all that to say, they taught us how to practice, you know, what to practice and really instilled in us. So by the end of it, if we really paid attention, if we really dedicated ourselves, I wasn't the only one. It was, it was transformative. Tough at times, but transformative. And the reason I'm bringing it up is, uh, I don't, maybe it's just me, but uh, I'm finding when I'm reading Paul and, and what he's talking about in Ephesians, and, and then I'm kind of reading some of these great theologians and writers, um, that people like Dallas Willard, and, and then more recently Scott McKnight, who I've been reading uh, to kind of go along with this. I feel like that vision is a helpful one. I know we all have different relationships with school, so try and think of the most positive school experience you can think of. But it's, it's a good vision for us. Like, God gives us Christ, right? We have the Son who starts it all, who starts the church, and who is our goal, we're going to talk about today, that becoming transformed to be like Christ is our goal for all of us. And then Paul talks about how he gives us People. God gives special people in our, in our communities with special roles uh, to, be, to act as kind of like teachers and guides and to, and to help us to kind of progress, you know, and uh, to help us know how do we live here? How do we live out the Christian walk? And then together, as we catch on to this, as, as the Spirit is working, as God is working in us, we encourage each other. So we become kind of like a school of discipleship in a way, where we're all working on the same goal, to become like Christ, to love like Christ, to get to know God better, and to build our relationship with God. And all the while, as a community, we're becoming more and more like Christ. So that's like the vision, and it's an important one for our series. This, the verses today, bit of like culmination type verses. Actually, one of the verses is where I got the title uh, for our series. So let's dive in. And obviously, we're talking about healthy spirituality, and uh, I take it that, you know, this kind of a vision is true for a healthy spiritual community, healthy individuals. We're all contributing toward this sort of a vision, and it's a a healthy community is one where this is happening. So let's start reading. Um, I'm going to read Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6 to start out, and then I'll pause to, to talk about that. So here we go. Therefore... I, Paul is talking here, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, 
just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. That's beautiful, the ending. Uh, Verses 4 to 6 there, you can see Paul really wants to drive this home. There's just one God. There's one God. And this is a real Trinity verse. We see it there. For there's one Spirit, one Lord, one that referring to Jesus, one God the Father, altogether one. So there's no other gods to be worshiping here, in other words. There's, there's only one direction where we should be directing our worship, our allegiance, our hearts. And there's only one baptism, only one baptism. We're baptized into the Trinity. And uh, that means there's no reason for division, no reason for infighting or that sort of thing. We all serve the same God. We all have the same calling, is how he puts it at the beginning of it. So all that to drive home the point of unity as such a goal for the church, for any Christian community. And Paul comes back to that time and time again, unity, work toward unity, work toward unity. So that's the goal. And he says at the beginning, that's an interesting verse, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you've been called by God. There's a calling here that each of us has by virtue of being Christ followers. We've already heard about it in earlier chapters. Uh, The calling of the church is to be a temple of God, where God's presence dwells. That's a really high calling. Or that we heard last week, the calling of the church is to reveal, to display God's goodness, God's wisdom. Another very high calling And in the verses today, we see that we're the body of Christ, with with Christ as our head. And we're all being formed and shaped to be like Christ. That's different ways of looking at what our calling is. We all have that same calling. We're all working on it together. The Holy Spirit is doing that in us. And Paul says that, first off, he says, I I beg you. (laughs) I beg you to do this. There, that's a word for, like Paul is exhorting. That's kind of that older way of putting it. That he's exhorting us. So it's, it's more than just a nice little suggestion. It's like, you've got to take hold of this. You know, he's, he, he's in prison saying this. So he's putting himself on the line for this mission to, for, that, for us to catch this vision, to catch this calling. And he's saying, I beg you. You know, so we've talked about this before. This isn't just an automatic thing that happens. We wish it was. You know, we wish that the Spirit would just kind of make it happen in us. But God needs our participation. God needs our willingness. He's not going to force us. He's not going to force change. So it's, it's, it's up to us to surrender, to, to let go of what we need to let go of. And as today, we're going to talk about the, the kind of practices, how we live our day-to-day life. And that's the next part here. He says, I beg you to lead a life. The, the literal Greek there is, we've seen it before, it's I beg you to walk. I, I walk in a certain way, in a way where your calling is kind of over, the overarching thing that's, that you're, it's the standard for your steps, you know, and it's a one foot in front of the other type of thing. It's a gradual thing. It's an overtime thing, and it's a trajectory thing. Our trajectory is this calling, so I beg you to walk in, in step with your calling. And so really we're talking here too then about character forming. 
God wants to form a character of Christ-likeness, a character that lines up with our calling in us. So that's a day-to-day thing. Now we're talking about practices. We're talking about the kind of discipline that we have each day, and that creates room for the Spirit to work and to shape us and to do what the Spirit does. And then he gets into the specifics, and I want to hang out here, because I find if you're like me, you kind of read these words quickly, and it's, sometimes that means they don't really sink in, you know? But he says, he gives us, okay, here's kind of how you can start to do what I'm talking about here, right? How you can walk in your calling. And he says, always be humble and gentle. Always be humble and gentle. That there, I'm just reminded again and again how humility is such the, the key quality for us, you know? And, and it's what Christ asks us to have. It's what he displayed. It all kind of begins there. And we've talked about humility before, how really I look at humility as kind of getting in touch with reality, basically. So it's not a thinking of yourself as lesser than. It's not like downplaying who I am or thinking of myself with low self-esteem. It's more being aware of and having a good, sober understanding of myself, an accurate, realistic understanding of who I am in relation to God. And that's the key aspect there, in relation to God. So things like knowing that God is God and that I'm not, knowing that I'm reliant on God for so many things, for everything, you know, but also knowing that God loves me. I am valuable because I'm a child of God. So that all comes into humility. And then it says, so have that, always be humble, always walk with humility, and then with gentleness. So that's related there. That's also, you could use the word meekness there or mildness. And this is kind of like how the humility works out in our relationships with each other as we're kind of getting a more and more accurate understanding of my relationship with God and who I am in that relationship. Then that works itself out in gentleness in my relationships. Knowing that I'm loved by God, then I can be freed up to love others. Knowing that I'm forgiven, I can have that more of that as my default of working towards forgiveness. It's all of that. And then it's kind of another translation is perfect courtesy. That's kind of how I'm trying to relate to people now. And with gentleness, with gentleness is, is, the, is the default. Then he goes on, he says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Here we're getting into the zone of when things happen that annoy me, when things happen that upset me. What's going to be my attitude there, stemming from my humility and my gentleness and that sort of thing? And uh, here what came to mind as I was thinking of examples in my life was, was my stepdad, my stepdad, Norm. And I think back to when I was learning how to drive. If you, if you need to learn how to drive, he's your guy. <laughs> he, was so, he, was, he really exercised patience, and he made allowance for my faults <laughs> in that time. Another word for making allowance there is forbearance. That's like the older way of putting it. That's the King James translation of it. Because I can remember, I gave him a lot of chance to like get scared, to get angry, to get, you know, and I was driving their car. It was a standard. It was manual transmission. So there was lots of jumpiness and stalling. And I remember him taking me on a hill purposefully where I had to stop at like on the hill and then get going, which is the scariest thing. And he was willing to go through that with me. And so he, with that patience and forbearance, 
that was so important for me, right? Because at the end of the day, what that's doing, someone makes a mistake. Someone does something to annoy you, to hurt you. When you react with that patience and forbearance, you're making room. You're making room for the, the spirit to work. You're making room rather than just coming right out with, with a correction or, or anger or that sort of thing or acting out with vengeance. You're, you're making room and the hopes, and it's all because of your love, right? Because of your love. So you're hoping for the best here for that person and for your, for your relationship. So it's all making room for the spirit to work so that reconciliation can happen. Um, and that's really, at the end of the day, it's just God's asking us to act the way that he acts towards us. Because God always is being patient with us and making allowance for our faults. But not that he's just ignoring them, right? It's always in the hopes so that he can work and bring us to you know, repentance and to admitting and reconciliation can then happen and that sort of thing. So that's really key in this. And then we get the goal stated again at the end of it. Um, where he says to make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. This is all what we're, what we're working towards. And every effort is going towards being united. Again, it's not an automatic thing, so it's going to take our involvement. It's going to take our commitment. And we're binding ourselves together with peace. So the peace there, it's not just an absence of hostility it's harmony. There's harmony. There's, there's right relationships going on, rooted in our shared love, which is because of Christ, and rooted in the Holy Spirit. So let's go on. Let's go on. Then he, he, he's given us some real practical words, and then he talks about his vision for the community where this can happen, where we can learn about these things, and, and where these things can really take hold. And uh, he says, however, he has given each one of us a special gift, which literally there, he's given each one of us a grace uh, through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. That's a pretty, when you catch that there, the responsibility to equip God's people to do God's work. Talk about a calling <laughs> there that we all have. Um, and uh, to, the work to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And we don't have time to read the rest, but you can read it for yourself. It talks about the goal is moving away from maturity towards maturity, which is, again, becoming like Christ. And he ends off saying, he makes the whole, Christ makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's our spiritual health <laughs> passage right there as a community at the individual level. And there he, he's, he's driving home the goal, 
the goal, it's, it's a, what, what you might call a, a goal of being a Christoform community. That's where my title came from. The goal is that we're being formed, we're being shaped to become like Christ. And that's the marker of a healthy spiritual community. The more that it looks like Christ, the better, so to speak. And that's the calling that we all have. That's the calling that we're called to live by. And it's out of the riches of Christ. That came up in a verse last time. From the riches of Christ, God gave grace in the form of special callings within the church. Special callings that, that people have, maybe special roles and some to do with leadership and other things. But you've got the, the here it's these specific callings that um, apostles and prophets, so those who will work to establish the church. Evangelists, those who are called to spread the church. And uh, pastor teachers, those who are called to the local congregations to be there as a, as a shepherd, a guide, and, and a teacher. And those are there, those are given. And now, mind you, these are people that are on, kind of, they've, they've been um, on this path, and they're themselves maturing and growing, and so that they can guide others. And their responsibility, this is the important verse for us pastors that we have to keep reminding ourselves of. The responsibility isn't so that they can just kind of do all the work. <laughs> the responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So now everyone is in view in this vision now. And I like the way Scott McKnight puts it. He says, every person is a minister, that means. Everybody is a minister. Um, every person is gifted by the Holy Spirit. And everyone, as he says, ha they, everyone has an ongoing ministry, an ongoing ministry in the church. Again, talk about calling there. Talk about what God has gifted us for. And I wonder where you're at today with that. Do you know that you have a ministry? Do you know, and do you know what that looks like for you? And if you don't today, that's quite all right. We're all in a process. We're all on the road together. And I would love to, to meet with you and talk to you to try and discover what that ministry looks like. Or talk to someone that you know, some, someone that you trust, to try to unpack Okay, what's, what's kind of my, you know, my special ministry within the church? Because we all have it. And the vision is that we're all working together. That the church is a, is a place where people can come to kind of learn what it means to follow Christ. To, to learn what it means to be shaped, to, to look and to act like Christ and that sort of thing. And another way of putting it is that each of us, you know, we are... If we, if we link it to what Paul was talking about earlier, the character, the walk aspect. So each of us were called to, to walk in a way where our character is forming. And then each of us are called to contribute to forming a, a culture of goodness in our community. A culture of God's goodness and a culture of Christ-likeness. So now we're back full circle here. Now we're back. When we talk about character, we talk about culture creation. We're back in the realm of practices and practicing and daily walk. As Scott McKnight says, organizations function in the same way as individuals. That is, their habits form their personality. So here we're in habit talk. What are our habits like? What are our default habits in the day-to-day? Because -day? those shape us. Those shape our character. And as a community, what are our habits? Because that shapes our culture. And the call here 
is that those things are very much shaped by our calling <laughs> to be like Christ. Though our habits are very much shaped by the Holy Spirit and by Christ's example. And we've talked about how humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance, how these are key ingredients. So with the last little bit today, I want to get really practical and just take a little bit of time to think about what that looks like. What does a daily walk look like in terms of the kinds of practices that we need, the kind of habits we need to form humility, to form gentleness and patience? Because if you're like me, if someone came to you and said, okay, like I see that you're pretty humble, how do I get there? You know, what do I need to do? <laughs> what kind of things do I need to do to become more humble? It'd be hard to know exactly what to say, to give real practical advice. And if you do know, that's awesome. <laughs> that's kind of where we're headed. But just in the last little bit, I want to start thinking about that. And really, this is to get the conversation going so that you can think about this and talk about it through the week. But we're talking now then about what kind of practices do we need to have to, be, to do our part in always being humble, as Paul says, to lead a life that where we're growing in our humility, growing in our patience, growing in our forbearance. So what we're talking about then is spiritual disciplines, the, the tried and true spiritual disciplines. And I'm not going to go into detail on these because actually about a year ago this time, Heather did a really good job going through the specific disciplines. And so you can actually watch that. There's a number where she's gone through kind of step by step uh, the different disciplines that there are. So today what I want to do is kind of take that and just apply it to these qualities that Paul is talking about. And just briefly, um, and by the way, when we talk about spiritual disciplines, not every time that you pray, for instance, will it be a spiritual discipline. Because sometimes it just arises through the Spirit's work in us spontaneously. We just want to do it. And that then, that's awesome. It's not really a discipline at that point, And that's good. It's a discipline when we're kind of purposefully doing it because we realize that we need to kind of counteract some things that are going on. Um, so fasting is, a, is, an important, is a good example of this. Fasting really helps with, like, self-control, <laughs> you know. So if you're realizing, oh, like, I'm kind of struggling in certain areas with self-control, then that's where you realize, okay, maybe I better take on the discipline of fasting so that I can really team up with the Spirit to help foster self-control. Um, so humility, humility, some, some practices, some disciplines that come to mind with that would be two obvious ones, would be worship, would be one. Worship, Dallas Willard gives a great definition of that. To, see worship, to, to worship is to see God as worthy, to ascribe great worth to God. So right there, in, as we take time, as we make it a priority to worship, even when we don't feel like it, that's, that's really setting the, the seeds, sowing the seeds of humility. Because we are ascribing worth to God. We're taking the focus off ourselves and putting it onto God. And that, that is such an important thing. Or prayer, obviously. The practice of prayer is going to be so important with humility. And here what comes to mind would be prayer that involves silence, actually. So prayer where we take time maybe to read a bit of scripture and then just quiet ourselves to let the Spirit speak. Or another one that, that I would mention, if you're interested, I could tell you more later, but centering prayer is another one. You can 
Google or in the App Store, there's a really good centering prayer one where it's all about silence and just letting God speak and, and not so much us <laughs> doing the speaking. So again, the focus is on God. And uh, when we talk about humility and how it relates to other people moving into gentleness, um, Dallas Willard talks about the importance of practicing times of not speaking and listening instead. <laughs> so when you're going, you're, you're saying, through my day today, when I talk with people, I'm going to try to have the discipline of listening <laughs> instead of being the one who needs to speak. And you, you foster, you're doing that in order to, to foster that more of a humble and gentle approach. And lastly, another one that comes to mind, this is one I'm just giving a bit more attention to, but the practice of secrecy is another very important one. And uh, Scott McKnight did a lot of talking about this at our BIC event. But secrecy, uh, it's, it comes from Jesus' verse when he says, uh, his words when he says, but when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So it's, it's this idea of, I'm going to help people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, so it's teaming up with the practice of service, but I'm going to do it in private. I'm not going to let other people know what I'm doing. I'm, and so the idea is, I'm not going to try to win praise for myself, or I'm not going to do this to bolster my ego or things like that. It's just about serving that person, and it's just about serving God. So those are some disciplines, some practices that come to mind for humility. What about uh, patience and forbearance? Here, there's just a couple that I want to mention and uh, invite you to think through this for yourself. But service would be a key one <laughs> if we're talking about loving others and, and developing an attitude of patience. The best thing to do is put our, our focus on someone else's needs <laughs> instead of our own. So serving and I love McKnight talks about this should be an ordinary part of our lives, not an extraordinary part of our lives. If it's extraordinary, then that means the chance for our egos to come in and us to be kind of like, look at me, look what I'm doing. But no, if it's just a, a regular rhythm, just the practice of when someone's in need and we're in a position to help, it's just that's what we do. So that practice of, of service. And then fostering empathy is so important here too taking some time to think about, well, what's it like for them? Where are they coming from? You know, what have they been through? And maybe that has contributed to where we're at in terms of the situation. So it's taking time to think that way, to get into the habit of thinking that way. Um, and so that can go a long ways towards patience and forbearance. I know that when it comes to youth ministry, putting my, myself in their shoes is a really key part for working on patience and forbearance. And uh, lastly, unity. Lastly, uh, unity. There, um, the practice of, of fellowship comes to mind. Fellowship brings it all together. It brings service in. It brings celebration. It brings worship. It brings prayer. But it's just prioritizing times of fellowship together. Making that part of our weekly habit um, is, is so key towards working toward unity. And lastly, the practice of submission I think is a key one for unity. Because often if we're going to be unified, I'm probably going to have to let go of some things. I'm probably going to have to let go of maybe my agenda, maybe consider someone else's needs before my own. So submission, and particularly in the area of seeking spiritual directors in my life. If 
finding people who I trust that are further along in the faith, more mature than me in the faith, and saying to them, I could really use your help. I could really use your help setting up a time commitment where I would just love for you to speak into my life, where I could just share with you maybe where I'm at right now, and I'd love to hear your wisdom and your guidance in my life. And then that way I'm submitting to someone who's kind of gone before me. And, and they're submitting to Christ. And they're submitting their time to me. So there's a mutual submission going on. But those two come to mind for me for unity. And I'm sure there's others that you can think of, uh, other practices that, that we're putting those in place to start building these habits that help form our character, form us into the character of Christ and that help us as we're doing them together to foster a culture of Christ, a culture of God's goodness. And this is all with the work of the Holy Spirit. I think that I can kind of feel the, the tension when I'm saying this, because I know as in our Protestant tradition, we're taught it's by grace alone and not by works. So that's the hard part to kind of tease apart here. And uh, the important thing, I think, is recognizing that at the end of the day, the Spirit is doing the heavy lifting here. <laughs> the Spirit is doing the heavy lifting. What we're doing is just finding ways to nourish our souls. When we think about our bodies growing, all the part that we're doing is just doing some exercise, maybe we're eating the right food. It's pretty minimal compared to what's going on in the body <laughs> in terms of the body growing and staying healthy and that sort of thing. So I see this is in line with that. You talk about nourishing the soul. And these practices like prayer and worship and fellowship, these are just us taking in the right food and doing the right exercises to allow the Spirit then to do the Spirit's work in forming a Christ-like character in us and in our community. So that's, that's the vision today. I'm going to end off there. And I just want to end off with a couple of, of quotes, actually, to reinforce what I'm, what I'm saying here. Because um, I like this vision. I like this vision of like a school of discipleship. And uh, the more I've thought about it, I don't think it's just because I'm a nerd who likes school. <laughs> I think that there's really kind of something to it here. Um, Scott McKnight says, for instance, in his book, A Church Called Tove, that often we get kind of caught up thinking that the church is like a business, you know, where we're trying to like form a product and to sell a product or something like that. But he says, well, what if we look at, reimagine the church as a school for sinners who are gradually learning the way of Christ? You know, this idea of like a school gets us closer to the truth. Or Dallas Willard says, the local assembly, for its part, when we're kind of on the right track, then can become an academy, a school, where people throng from the surrounding community to learn how to live. We're the school of life, he says. It will be a school of life. For a disciple is a pupil. A disciple is a student. Where all aspects of that life seen in the New Testament records are practiced and mastered under those who have themselves mastered them through practice. So it's disciples discipling other disciples. Only by taking this as our immediate goal can we intend to carry out the Great Commission. That's Dallas World. He saw, he saw this as so important, that he, this vision of working on spiritual practices together and guiding each other and helping each other, all relying on the grace of God who's put special people in our midst to help guide and all focusing on Christ. He thought that that was integral to the Great Commission. 
And the older I get, the longer I am a Christian, I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. The more that I make a practice of prayer in my life or a practice of fellowship, the more I really do see the Spirit working and I see the power of the Spirit in my life. So I, I, I tend to agree with him. And so that's kind of the vision we're getting here in Ephesians 4, this, this vision of a community where we can learn to practice our faith, where we can learn to love. It's in our, it's in our uh, mission statement, learning to love together, learning to love like Christ. And that's the vision. And, and my prayer is that we kind of can daily and weekly and, and yearly work this out, figure it out <laughs> with the help of the Spirit and, uh, and put it more and more into practice, so to speak. Great. So I'm going to call up our, our worship team. I'm, I'm going to finish off there, and uh, we're going to sing one more song together. And uh, as they're coming up, I'd just like to pray together now. Um, dear Heavenly Father, just uh, thank you for today. And uh, thank you for Scripture. Thank you for the apostles who have each taken a part in, in writing Scripture from your inspiration, Holy Spirit. And, and in, we, in it, we just see such great guidance for us and such beautiful visions of, of what can be real, what can be true in our lives, in our community. And uh, just thank you for this one today of this, the body. The church is the body of Christ, a place where we can learn to live, where we can learn to be like you, Jesus. And I thank you that the peer is doing this already. I thank you that there's people who are mature in their faith, who have a passion for helping others, passion for serving others, because that's such a key part, and a passion for instilling their love for you, Jesus, in, in future generations and in others who, who are just starting out on the journey. So thank you that it's here. And I just pray, God, that, that you would keep fostering that in us, keep growing that passion in us, and keep forming us so that we can become more and more like you, Lord Jesus, a spiritually healthy community. Uh, so it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.